Welcome to the world of tomorrow. They say the new millennium began the day progress was finished. A domed metropolis of the world's greatest minds. A permanent showcase of American ingenuity. Built on the swamplands of central Florida. In this self-styled city of the future, 50,000 temporary residents live, work, and occasionally die. This episode of The World of Tomorrow is brought to you by The Further Adventures of Walt's Frozen Head. And now, Murder in Progress, Chapter 2. Replay message from Annie. Where are you? I'd sent her three chimes in response, but still hadn't heard back. It wasn't like Annie to be this cagey. Replay message from Annie. Meet me there. Something's wrong. The monorail was shoulder to shoulder with passengers and a handful of jeepers, general-purpose robots that did most of the errand running in progress. Women, huh? Yeah, tell me about it. Is that your wife? Huh? It snapped me out of my head for a second. The man sitting next to me. He was an older, skinny guy in a light suit. Almost no one wore a suit in progress if they ever left the dome. It's just too hot. Sorry, friend. Couldn't help but overhear. No, um, girlfriend. Ah, <laughs> well, we better get used to it. My wife's done the same thing for 40 years. Before chimes, it was just a message at the office. You know, something cryptic. We need to talk as soon as you can. You run home and it's a small thing, something that could have been handled later. Oh, you didn't have to come all the way home for this. But with these chimes, well, the day I retire, I'm chucking mine in Bay Lake. I can't say I blame you. Low battery. Please recharge at your earliest convenience. Low battery. Can someone shut that thing off? It's one of the new models. You know where the switch is on these? Search me. You could check the back panel, maybe? Should be enough for the volume, at least. Cheapers were pretty common these days. They were used for simple things, mostly. Anything repetitive that didn't take creative thought. You'd see a lot of jeepers being bartenders or butlers or PE teachers, you know, that sort of thing. You could rent them by the hour. A lot of folks used them for pickups and deliveries, which is why you saw a lot of them on the monorails. I wouldn't use them, though. Their droopy metal eyes always creep me out. And you never knew who was watching on the other end. They did have their uses, I suppose. I do have to admit that they were programmed to make a good green swizzle. Low battery. Please charge at your earliest... That's better. I thought those fellows were supposed to ride in steerage. Well, it's probably full. Wait, what's happening? Why are we stopping? Yeah, I thought this was the express. It is. Ladies and gentlemen, 
We are currently holding for further traffic clearance. Please remember to stay clear. Come on! Traffic clearance? Please continue to hold on to the silver handrails. Thank you. That's not likely. Not on the express line. Check your chime. What are the news channels? You mind if I turn the sound on? Uh, No, no. Go ahead. Fine by me. Resident protests downtown by the group calling themselves the Spirit of Tomorrow. It looks like they've completely secured the Mobility Street monorail platform and are holding Spirit of Tomorrow. Have you seen these bozos? No, I haven't heard of them. My niece joined up with them, apparently. They're protesting the residency laws. Look, no one likes them, but when your number's up, you've got to go. That's just how it works. We all knew that when we came, and shutting down the monorail's not going to change anything. (laughs) I'm not looking forward to Thanksgiving next month. Yes, I'm seeing three monorails currently backed up, waiting for the normal traffic to be restored. Look, it's not like the people who could do anything about it are riding the monorails anyway. He nodded his head as if he wanted me to look out the window. There was the aerial line. A pickle green aerial made its way between two high rises. This one had a silver Astute Technologies logo on the side. Probably belonging to some big shot. Who else could afford one? Aerials were cable cars of the sky. Individual gondolas that were carried above the city by what looked to other people like telephone wires. The city built the aerial system as part of the expansion plan when they doubled the population of progress the first time. Citizens didn't want to have to rub shoulders with too many of the unwashed masses, even if the unwashed masses were a highly intelligent, self-selected group of the world's best and brightest who all passed a rigorous background screening. Of course, that didn't mean that they were all connoisseurs of high-end antiperspirants. I had only been up in an aerial once. One of John's particularly well-off clients invited me out for a private meeting without thinking too much about it. You felt like a god standing on Olympus up there. Maybe that's how the citizens felt all the time. Looks like that one belongs to Bertram Wagner, CEO of Astute Technologies. How would you know that? There's a chime for that. It's all public information. Just send the ID to Aerial Registry and they tell you who owns it and who's licensed to drive it. That's a rare one. I've not seen it before. I'm writing that Progress one down. security is giving the group a respectable distance, but making their position clear. Any resident who does not surrender will face immediate deportation from the city. <laughs> well, maybe Thanksgiving's off then. So far, we have not seen any proactive moves by Progress Security to recapture the platform. I looked out the window. You know, we weren't that high up, maybe 20 feet. And we parked above a green space. The doors could be pushed open, and then if I landed in the bushes? Eh, I'm not really the jumping out of windows kind of detective. I caught eyes with one of the jeepers who turned his head in a way that was just a little too human for my taste. New message from Annie. It's my sister. Have you seen her? New message to Annie. I'm stuck in a monorail that smells like a deformed goat. Why in the pixelized blazes of a digital hell would I have seen your sister? Send. Wait, recall message. Message recalled. New message to Annie. No, I haven't seen your sister. She must have been talking about Eve. I think I had only ever met Eve once or twice. The stuffy air in the monorail was really starting to get to me now. Annie must not have been working today at her job as a tour guide. Wait a minute, I'd forgotten. Eve was also a tour guide. At Astute Technology. Ladies and gentlemen, please continue to hold for further traffic clearance. It made sense why Annie was being so cagey. Progress Security, not to mention our friends at the Orange County Sheriff, had access to everything on the Chime Network. 
Hey! Hey! The AC's not working! I prefer my shade to be thrown with a bit more ironic detachment than our salty friend, but he had a point. The cabin was bordering on a swelter. It was making me rethink the kind of action detective I was. I looked down again, and thought of Liam Crawford's skull. Eh, still not that kind of detective. Ladies and gentlemen, please continue to hold for further traffic clearance. It was another two hours before they got the monorails moving again. And even then, we were diverted to a spur off the express line. We unloaded at a monorail barn on the west side of town, well outside the dome. It was probably two miles from my office. Nice chatting with you, Tim. Let's not do this again sometime, huh? I stepped off the platform and tried to get my bearings. I checked my watch. 5.15. There was no point in heading back to the office. I chimed Annie to meet me back at my apartment. New message from Annie. I'm already here. Come to your office. I looked to see if any of the Papagates were available, but we were the fourth car that they let out, so of course, they had all been taken. Papagates are personal, autonomous... You know what? Never mind. It really doesn't matter. Annie was being difficult, and I had been stuck in a metal tube for the last few hours with pissed-off passengers and creepy robots. Fine. Maybe her sister was missing. Maybe it's a valid excuse, and I should have a little more understanding. New message from Annie. Are you coming? I'm taking a shower. Send. I'll get there when I get there. I started walking towards the apartment. It took me a minute to get my bearings. I was either at the intersection of Iran and Thailand, or Indonesia and Turkey. Definitely an I and a T. I finally found the sign letting me know I was headed into Little Persia. If I cut through the market, I could be back at my apartment in 10 minutes or so. When Progress was built, the designers had an international showcase of the cultures of the world in the middle of it. There were sections for Spain, Israel, Equatorial Africa, all sorts of different places. Restaurants and marketplaces, and bars and taverns, and gin joints, beer halls, you know, that sort of thing. It gave visitors the feel of all the cultures of the world living in harmony. Each of the streets were staffed by people from that country or region who came for a year or two. Little Persia was one of those. The street was about 70% an Arabian Nights fantasy, 15% neo-futurist architecture, and whatever left over was 1970s geopolitics. But it was mostly onion domes and pointed archways and bull-headed columns with tile mosaics. When Progress opened, it was staffed by friendly foreign guest workers who would answer the same five questions about their homeland day after day after day. And it was all going fine until the Iran hostage crisis. Suddenly, the idea of sending the workers back didn't seem so palatable. So Progress created its first refugee program. If you were here as an international guest worker, and there was some turmoil back home, you were granted permanent, non-revocable refugee status. Timothy! Timothy! What? Timothy, I got the chime notification that you used the circoscope. Are you going to bring it in for processing or what? Ah, Bayan. Sorry, yes, I forgot you got those chimes. I did a circoscope of the crime scene at AKIP, but, well, here's the rub. The Orange County Sheriff took it. Timothy... There was nothing I could do. You know, there was a man, he had a badge and a gun. What am I going to do about this? I mean, I assume it was a gun. I didn't check. I sell those to you because I trust you. You know, it might have just been his wallet, actually. Now the police have one. Wait, hold on. You sell them to me because I pay you. No, I sell them because I trust you. And you also pay. Broker security would pay. 
Orange County Sheriff would pay, but I do not trust them. No, it, it's okay. You're safe. You're fine. Right? They're not going to know what to do with it. They'll find out. You didn't tell them my name. Oh, no, no, no. No, they think it's mine. Good. You don't tell them about me, you keep me out of it. I'll get another chime if they open it. Do you have a way to track where it is? Only if it is open in progress, somewhere with access to the chime network. Anywhere else, no. I'll do what I can. Look, I'm sorry. Just get it back. Bayan was the inventor of the circle scope, and the only one who knew how it worked. He'd been stuck here since he came on a worker visa from Iran in the late 1970s. His daughter Layla and I did our internships together at Eastern. After I helped Layla out of a scrape with her landlord, Bayan was so happy I thought he was going to kiss me on the lips, which wasn't really the relative I had in mind. Bayan built the best cameras you could get your hands on, and when he heard I was going into private investigating, he offered me what he called his spy stuff. He was particular about who he sold it to. He never wanted the wrong people to have them, but I was the right people, at least until about five minutes ago. I needed to find some way to get that back. My apartment was on the border of the International Tapestry, right where China Square met Greektown. Good food within walking distance, if you were willing to deal with the smells of roasted lamb and duck sauce mingling together. I turned the corner onto Harvest Boulevard and looked up at my building. There, in the third story window, in my window, a face was staring down at me. In a flash, whoever it was saw me and the curtain was shut and they were gone. Someone was waiting for me. The Further Adventures of Walt's Frozen Head is a feature comedy about what people will do to hold on to their dreams. It was written and directed by Benjamin Lancaster and stars Ron Schneider, the original dream finder, as Walt. In the film, Walt, who's kept in the Utilidors under the Magic Kingdom, convinces a cast member to kidnap him for a day and let him see the park. The film is available to watch for free on YouTube by searching Further Adventures of Walt's Frozen Head. While you're there, subscribe to the channel Just a Head in a Jar, which also hosts new content like this podcast. If you like the film, you can also follow the movie's account on Twitter, at Walt's Frozen Head, which tweets out humorous insights and jokes about the company from the perspective of Walt himself. And now, back to Murder in Progress, Chapter 2. I started prowling up the stairs, one hand on the railing and one inside my coat pocket on the trigger of my coin-operated stun gun. I pulled it out to check that it still had some dimes in the slot. Pistols and such weren't allowed in progress, but someone figured out how to build up an electrical charge in a small metal disc so strong it would fling it across the room with enough force to knock someone out. The metal tokens they minted for it worked the best, but dimes were cheaper and seemed to work fine. I didn't really know much about its mechanics, just that it ate up AA batteries. Now, I could have taken the elevator up, but there was only one of those, three stairwells, so I figured the odds were better for the element of surprise. Besides, there's a chance whoever it was didn't see me see him, and they would be expecting me to come in the regular way. But then again, how was I going to get in the apartment? The front door was the only way in from the hall, and there were utility corridors, but I couldn't get into those without the asymmetric keys, and I didn't have one. Besides, those were built for jeepers to navigate, not for somebody of my uh, linebacker physique. It seems that I had taken the stairs for nothing. I got off the second floor, holstered the coin gun, headed for the elevator, and went up the old-fashioned way.
Third floor. So if there was only one way in, logically, there'd be only one way out. I had an idea. I stood there at the side of the door, waiting. Damn it. Whoever it was was too clever. I thought of a number of variations of the trick. Police! There's a fire! You've got to see this dog! But the jig was up. I unlocked the deadbolt and I opened the door. Huh. Well, that's funny. I never locked the deadbolt. Well, you should. Eve? Do you know how easy it was to get in here? What? How? That door has a 12-character access code. Yes, and it's AA, AAA, 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 AAA. Okay, well, I didn't know how to change it. That's beside the point. Okay, what are you doing looking at me from the window? I mean, the window in my apartment. I mean, the apartment that you are currently occupying. Annie told me to come here. She gave me the access code. She tried to tell you. Wait, is that what the chimes are about? She said she was going to signal you. Can, can I see? Yeah, look, here, in this one, she misspells the word hydroponics. So? I mean, she works at the greenhouse tour. She sees that word every day. She's never made a misspelling like that. Well, how was I supposed to know how to spell hydroponics? She was signaling something was wrong. It's a clue. You do this professionally, right? But why are you here? Oh, you haven't heard about Liam? Don't tell me. I'm afraid so. Eve, give me back my chime. What are you going to do with it? This is your mess. Tim? And he told me I could trust you. What's that? Buzzing sound. Is that coming from your pocket? Oh, no. Fine. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to know. Okay, okay. It's a stun gun, all right? Oh. Well, that's a relief. Thought this was about to get weird. No, hand over my chime. Tim, I'm innocent. I didn't kill Liam. I don't know who killed Liam. Why should I believe you? Because Annie told me you would. You think this was my first choice? You know I'm never getting a fair shake if they lock me up first. I I don't know what my sister sees in you, but she sure sees enough of it. Thank you. I need a drink. You want a scotch and soda? Do you have a ginger ale? I have scotch and I have soda. I can offer you either or some combination of the two. Scotch and soda it is. Now start talking. Um. The story, all right? If I'm going to help you, you tell me the story. I moved to Progress five years ago, and... Okay, skip, 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 skip. When did you meet Liam? I met him when I was working at the Temple of Heaven. Wait, what? What? You? You were working at the Temple of Heaven. The nightclub? I was a cocktail waitress. Okay, back, 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 back. Hold on. Wait. Start earlier. I don't know if Annie ever told you any of this. I came to Progress five years ago as a temp to hire at Burden Robotics to work in the general purpose robot division. You worked on the Jeepers? Jeepers? I've never heard them called that. 
Literally everyone calls them that. What did you call them? General purpose robots. Okay, well what did you call them for short? Robots. Ugh, engineers have no imagination. I had been working at Burden for three months uh, before I was assigned to a new project. It was a collaboration between Burden and Sajay Synthetics. The team was led by Dr. Albert Last. Oh, oh yes, yes, I know about Dr. Last. Wait, wait a minute. How do you know about Dr. Last? Well, Mysteries of Progress, episode 421. Oh, God. He was the individual who, if memory serves, and it does, experimented on himself and then got, um, disintegrated or something. That episode was utter garbage. Uh, V-mad scientist type, right? And he had this vampish assistant whose name was... Oh. Yeah. Oh. So, you are the... Mm-hmm. <laughs> the reenactments in the show are not kind. No. They were not. And not that it matters to anyone, but Albie was not like that at all. Albie was the most brilliant man I've ever worked with. He knew things more deeply and thought about things more intensely than anyone I've met before or since. It was like... Like he spoke the language of the universe, and the rest of us <laughs> were just using pocket translators. I'm sorry. I had absolutely no idea that you were Eve, the technician of temptation. I, I mean, that Eve. It's fine. It's fine. It's not a secret. So, you two were together? Another secret. I don't have any more. That was the night I stopped having secrets. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. It's not the most tactful approach. But then again, you did break into my apartment for reasons yet unknown. So, can you tell me what happened? Right. Uh, partnership task force between Burden and Sajay. Um, led by Dr. Albie. Led by Albie. We were working with nanobots. You know what nanobots are, right? Of course I know. They are... Androids and other robots, obviously, that watch over and, and teach children. Very, very small robots. Oh, right. I, I thought you were talking about something else I had been reading about in a scientific journal of renown. So, you had these nannybots. They've been impossible to build so far. It's too difficult to construct something that small, so... This group of us was going to take a new approach. Welcome everyone to Project Snowflake. If successful, this partnership between our two companies will be launching the world's first practical nanobot system. Our friends at Burden Robotic will be supplying the hardware, full-size flying general-purpose robots. Standard equipment on each one, propellers, solder, grasping arm, death laser, drill. Oh, hold up. Did you say death laser? Shh. The job is simple. We build them at 45 centimeters. And then we use Sajay magnification technology to shrink them by a factor of 1 million to 450 nanometers. Ah, flying invisible death robots. By golly, I wonder what could go wrong under those mundane circumstances. Questions, yes. Uh, excuse me, Dr. Last? 
Oh, we're all scientists here. It's it's Albie, please. Oh, uh, yes, Albie. My question is about the communication with the units. I don't question the magnification. I assume you have that figured out. <laughs> I can personally attest to it. Okay. Um, but our research has previously indicated that anything under 10,000 nanometers just makes contact an impossibility. A, a physical impossibility. The radio waves just, you know, they aren't small enough. Yes, yes, very good. Uh, you're Eve, right? Uh, yes, sir. Bullseye, Eve. That's always been our problem. It's made research very difficult. Now, we at Sage, we're not robot designers. We'll leave that to you all, the experts. But here is a very rough model of what we're thinking. It's called the motherhead. On board, she has all of the control systems, the communication relays, everything she needs to coordinate 1,073,741,824 of the nanobot chicks, uh, give or take. And she, unlike her little chicks, is, I don't know, a few millimeters? Large enough to send and receive communication waves with us, and small enough to converse in high-frequency gamma rays with them. She will be our only source of contact once the nanobots have passed beyond the limits of normal magnification. There'll be plenty more to discuss. I'm looking forward to working with this team and getting to know each and every one of you more uh, intimately. He really said that? Well, I think so. That's how I remember it. You know, it was charming. I imagined him giving you a sort of, like, leering wink right there. He didn't wink. Well, I don't wish to cast dispersions on the deceased, but he... Sounds like a creepy old man. Aspersions, not dispersions. And he was 27. 27? You made him sound like an 86-year-old. I have no idea where you got that from. Well, in the reenactments... I told you that show is slanderous trash. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, okay? I should not have made light of your boyfriend exploding. Fiancé. What? We were engaged before... You know, I never told anyone but Annie that. I guess I still have one secret. So, the accident. It wasn't an accident. All phases of nanos proceeding beyond limits of optical magnification. Stand by to convert to LGS system. This could be the one, Eve. You said that for the last six times. Permission granted. Conversion to LGS system on your command. Phase blue. Phase blue. Request permission to increase yaw on approach. Phase blue. Yaw increase approved. Make adjustments and verify. Mika, take another look at that phase orange. I'm worried about the hue angle. Copy that. Phase orange. Phase orange. Experiencing chromatic aberrations. Otherwise normal. Increase the object space index. Uh, I'll be... There's nothing wrong with phase orange. It's a blip in the signal. I, I knew we should have double-checked that signal transmission on that channel. Status report requested. What's the current magnitude? Copy. Which phase? All of them. Start with the chicks. Phase red, 43.7 and dropping. Phase orange, 193.0 and remaining I told you. Phase okay, yellow, pull them back. We'll check dropping. the transmitters at full scale. What about Mama Hen? Copy. Status report, Master Autonomous Mobile Apparatus. The hen is... Uh, no reading on the hen. What? Hold. Hen showing four point... It... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, it's it's flickering. 
I'm not getting a reading. Pull it back. 400,000. Is it still flickering? Yes, it's 367. This can't be right. Requesting permission to execute total retrieval. What? Requesting permission to execute total retrieval. I, uh, I... Albie, hey, uh, that's, that's you. The phases, they should have been uh, in the right... Albie, they're waiting for you. Um, execute total retrieval. Is that what Albert said? Albie? Yes, that's what Albert said. All right, executing now. Still no signal. Receiving control blip from... No, it's just noise. Give me a status report. Bobby, which phase? All of them. Phase red. No report. Phase orange. No report. Phase yellow. No report. Phase green. No report. Phase blue. No report. Phase purple. No report. Master autonomous mobile apparatus. Signal lost. No report. We lost two years of work that night. Two years of mathematical gymnastics and happy accidents. We hadn't counted on a catastrophe, so we didn't have anything but scraps, a few notebooks with equations. The hen was carrying our code, our research, everything, and she was gone, shrunk to under 300 nanometers by the last measurement. She was in the lab, but we'd never find her. We wouldn't even know how to look. Well, most people wouldn't know how to look. I'm going after it. I've been thinking about it for the past two days. It's the only way. I'll be no. Sajay's canceling the project. It'll be all for nothing if we can't locate the hen. You can't. I won't let you. We have every single calculation. If I can just replicate the path it took, I'll repair the communications manually. Fifteen minutes, that's all it'll take. And what if it doesn't? What if we lose communication again? Eve, this is bigger than you and me. I mean, more literally, it's much, much smaller, but you get the Uh, idea. Okay, and and what if you don't come back? I will always be here, Eve. Always. If anything goes wrong, I'd be trapped in this room for the rest of my life, just at microscopic scale. Then I'm coming with you. I need someone to pilot the craft from here. You want Donovan to do it? No. He's the worst, but 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 I could do I could do the repairs. You're the best pilot. There's no sense in even arguing. What are you waiting for? Suit up. The hen's not getting any bigger. There was really no sense in arguing. I knew Albert loved me, but I also always knew I was second. Proceeding beyond limits of optical magnification, stand by to convert to LGS system. It's now or never, Eve. Converting to LGS. I'm going dark in five seconds. Eve? Yes, Albie? Marry me? I never spoke to him again. Sajay needed someone to blame, and that was me. 
They closed up their progress research facility, leaving me and everyone else without a job. Or for that matter, a work visa. Even in her version of the story, Annie's sister was at least partially responsible for losing one lover-slash-scientist. Even I had to admit that losing a second, best-case scenario, comes across as mildly negligent. I was picturing Eve on the witness stand telling what she told me, and I'm not sure it would play well with 12 angry jurors. But there was a lot I still didn't know. Like how'd she get from Sajay's synthetics to astute computing? How did she know to go into hiding? And most importantly, how did she meet Liam Crawford? And there was only one way I knew to find out. So, Eve, how'd you meet Liam Crawford? This episode of The World of Tomorrow is written and directed by Benjamin Lancaster. Tim Less is voiced by Brian Balance. Eve Moore is Callie Wills. The old monorail passenger is Barry Wallace, and the rude passenger is John Sicari. Bayan is played by Christopher Colon. Albert Last is played by Howe Bowers. The two technicians are Jake Ramos and Catherine Jenkins. The voice of the Jeepers is Christopher Colon. The chime voice is Jacqueline Thomas. Associate producer, Naomi Addison. Music by Trash Chan, Zotair Zita. Improvisata Persica Santor was composed by Frank Zintel. Creator, producer, and showrunner, Benjamin Lancaster. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to your podcast platform of choice and give us a five-chime review. And support our sponsors, like this week's sponsor, The Further Adventures of Walt's Frozen Head. The World of Tomorrow is copyright 2020, just ahead in a jar, LLC.